Heavenly Father, to all perfection we see a limit, but your commands are boundless. And so, Lord, we come before you and ask for your help as we study your commands now, even this command here to pray, to ask the Lord Jesus for things. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would give us great wisdom by the power of your spirit as we seek to understand how best we can fulfill this command. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, we're continuing our series this morning in the book of John, and particularly John chapter 14, which we've been studying for the last few weeks. Uh, this is the farewell speech of the Lord Jesus as he's saying goodbye, basically, and giving some final instructions to his disciples before he goes to die on the cross. And he's spoken some words of comfort to them uh, because he knows that they're going to be very distressed shortly, and he has warned them that he is leaving them. And so he's spoken about the comfort that they can find in knowing that Jesus is going to prepare a place for them in heaven and also in the fact that he is the way, the truth and the life, that they are going to heaven if they have trusted in the Lord Jesus. And this uh, leads to the question that Philip asks in verse 8. Verse 8, uh, where uh, the Lord Jesus has said in verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he starts to speak about the father again. And Philip says in verse 8, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And this leads to the wonderful statement of the Lord Jesus about the Father being in him. In verse 9 we read, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. And the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. And so here we see Jesus once more making this wonderful claim that he is divine, that when you see him, you see God manifest here on earth. And we've seen this again and again as we've looked at John's gospel together. There is so many of these claims by the Lord Jesus to his divinity. But then after this, he starts to talk about the work that the disciples would do in verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He speaks about the fact that they will need to do work, that they will follow on the work that he has been doing. And then the Lord Jesus makes this wonderful promise to his disciples And that's what we'll be concentrating on, particularly verses 13 and 14 today, this wonderful promise of the Lord Jesus. What is that? Verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Lord Jesus here is talking about the subject of prayer. And particularly prayer of supplication, where you're actually asking God for something. No, so not prayer of confession, prayer of adoration, prayer of thanksgiving, but no, actually asking for things from God himself or from the Lord Jesus. He actually says, you can ask me for things. You can speak to me directly and pray to me and ask me for things. And people love these verses, verses 13 and 14 of the scriptures. They love to look at these verses and think, oh, now I can ask God for anything. I can ask the Lord Jesus to give me anything. And particularly when it comes to matters of health and money, generally people love these verses because it means that if I ask him to heal me, 
then he has to do it. He's made the promise. If I ask him for money, he has to give it to me because he has made the promise here that I will do whatever you ask in my name. And so people love these verses and then they start to ask the Lord Jesus for all kinds of things. And then what happens? They don't get what they ask for. And so then there comes this doubt as to these verses and are these verses true? What is going on when I don't get the things that I pray for? And we've all experienced that. We've asked the Lord for something and it hasn't happened. And so the words of the Lord Jesus here look to be false, that he hasn't made the promise at all, that he's lying here. But we know that that is not true of the Lord Jesus, that he is someone who always speaks the truth. Back in verse 6, which we looked at last week, he says, I am the way and the truth. He's the truth itself. So when he says in verse 13 and 14 that he will do whatever you ask in his name, then he really means it. He is not lying. So why doesn't Jesus give us what we pray for? Why doesn't Jesus give us what we pray for? I think these verses actually give us at least two reasons why the Lord Jesus doesn't give us what we pray for. And the first reason is that the promise is not to you if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This promise is made to Christ's disciples. And we see that in verse 13. He says, and I will do whatever anyone asks in my name. No, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. He's addressing his disciples. Not everybody. He's addressing his disciples. And who are his disciples? Well, we know again and again that he's taught that they are people who believe in him. And even back in verse 11, it says, believe me. When I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Belief is right there earlier in the verses before uh, this wonderful promise that comes. And so we have to understand that the Bible never promises that God will hear the prayer of an unbeliever. Many prayers are offered around the world to God, to the Creator, but they're useless because they're not offered in the name of Christ, which means they're not offered in union with the Lord Jesus Christ. People are praying to God outside of Christ. They're praying in their own name rather than in the name of Christ, because they've never come to trust in the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to pray in your own name? Well, you come to God and you you reflect on your religious observances and your good works, and you think that you have merit with God, so then he should do what you ask of him rather than coming on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his merit and his work and the fact that you are united with him. And so this is why so many people, when they come to these verses, they look at them and they say, okay, well, what I need to do is I just need to put the name of the Lord Jesus at the end of my prayer like a magic spell, and therefore he will give me what I ask of him. And so I ask for something, I ask for healing, And I say, in your name, in Jesus' name, I pray, or we try and work out what's the exact formula. Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Or can I just say Jesus? Maybe I missed the formula there somehow. No, the thing that they're missing is they've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. They've never experienced union with Christ. They're unregenerate. And the Lord Jesus doesn't make any such promise to them because they are not included in the you that is there in verses 13 and 14, where he says, I will do whatever you ask. That's the first reason I think we can take from this text as to why the Lord Jesus doesn't do what people ask of him. The second reason 
is because our prayers aren't for God's glory. Our prayers aren't for God's glory. And we see this in verse 13. Verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Why do we ask for things? It's so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And so praying in the name of the Lord Jesus means praying in accordance with his will. Praying in accordance with his will. And we see this in 1 John, also written by the Apostle John. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 The Apostle John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. What's the confidence that we have in approaching God in prayer? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What's the confidence that we have? That if we come before him and ask for something according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he then hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, that we have what we asked of him. If we ask according to his will, then he hears our request and therefore gives us what we ask for. And what is the will of God? What is the will of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it's for his glory. We saw that in verse 13. It's so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Too often this text has been used by people to make requests for their own glory rather than for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father, and the glory of the Holy Spirit. People ask for power and health and wealth in order to satisfy their sinful cravings rather than the desires of the Lord. And thankfully, Christ often says no and does not give them what they ask for. People don't win the lottery and don't get better and may even die. And it's so that they can't indulge in their sinful pleasures and hurt more and more people. Some people, the last thing you want to see is them to win the lottery. Because the things that they would do with such money would be atrocious and certainly not give God the glory as their creator. And sometimes people even die or suffer terrible illness to prevent them from further further sin. I'm not saying that all sickness and death is directly related to particular sin, but it can be. And we must know that it's not God's will for most of us to live forever here on earth. As you look at history, you see that the will of God is for that majority of the population to get sick and die eventually. Unless the Lord Jesus comes back, that will be the fate for us. The desire of God for us. Careful using the word fate. I don't believe in fate, but I believe that God's will controls all things. And that is his desire for most of us, that we will eventually get sick and die. And that's actually a good thing. Why? Why is it good that we actually die? Well, the Heidelberg Catechism, that great Reformed Catechism, actually answers this question for us. Question 42 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? If Christ has paid for all our sins and punishment for sin is death, why do we still have to die? What's the catechism's question answered? Number 42. Our death is not a payment for our sins. Yes, Jesus has paid for our sins. So our death is not a payment for our sins, but it puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. It puts an end to sin 
and is an entrance into eternal life. And that's why Christians should not be grieved every time they have a birthday and think, oh, no, I'm getting older and I'm going to die soon. Every birthday should be one year closer, one year closer to my entrance into eternal life, one year closer to stopping sinning once and for all. And so when people pray for health, do they realise that we will all get sick and die eventually? And it's a good thing to eventually leave this world because we will stop sinning and live for God's glory all the time. So when we pray in Christ's name, we are meant to be praying according to his will. And what is his will? His own glory. So specifically, what are the kinds of things that we should be praying for? What are the things that we should be asking for in the name of the Lord Jesus? What is the work that Jesus has given us that we're supposed to be doing and that therefore we should be praying about? Well, of course, the work that the Lord Jesus gave us, uh, the primary work that we see, the commission that he gave his disciples before he left, is to go into all the world and make disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Christ's work, his incarnate work, when he was here on earth, was a saving work, a redeeming work, a disciple-making work, a kingdom-advancing work. That was his will while he was here on earth, and that's what gives his Father glory. And that is our work as well. It's a work of making disciples. And so we should be asking the Lord to help us as we seek to make disciples as well. That is then in accordance with his will, and he promises he will do what we ask of him if it's in accordance with his will. And the Lord's Prayer is a very good way to look at the kinds of things that we should be asking for, the things that advance his kingdom. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread so it's not wrong to pray for money, if you're providing for your, uh, your physical needs, it's not wrong. But also, what else do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Forgiveness of sins and lead us not into temptation. All disciple-making things that we want to see displayed in our lives that are in accordance with the will of God and therefore are for his glory. What's the last part of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who is, not, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why do we pray all those requests? It's for the glory of God. Now... I don't actually believe that that last bit about the power and the glory is probably said by the Lord Jesus, but I think it's a very helpful little bit that's been put at the end of the Lord's Prayer because it reflects how the will of God is for his kingdom and his glory. And if you want to know other specific requests that you could ask in the name of the Lord Jesus that he will do for you, well, look at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. 
Paul's prayers for wisdom, for strength, for good works, for love for others. And I try to pray one of those every Sunday in the pastoral prayer when we pray for the members of this church because I can see that that would be in accordance with the will of the Lord Jesus and he will grant what we ask of him because it is according to his will. So two reasons I've given you this morning from this text as to why we don't get what we pray for. One reason is... It's not offered as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in the name of Christ because people are not united to Christ. And so, of course, the Lord Jesus doesn't give them what they ask. The second is that we ask for things that are not in accordance with his will, which means in accordance with his desire for his own glory and the Father's glory. And so they're not offered in his name. Now, an illustration might help us as we try and unpack this this morning, as we try and look at why does the Lord not answer our prayers in this way. And an illustration might help of, imagine Christ gives his family members a supplementary bank card to a divine bank account in his name. So every person who's a a member of Christ's family gets this bank card that has access, is a supplementary card, so that means it's not technically your bank account, it's Christ's bank account in heaven, and you have this card, and you can then make expenditures on it. And it's a great privilege, because all other bank accounts in heaven are in debt. Every other bank account is in debt to God. It is only Christ's bank account that actually has merit in it. It is the only one that actually has credit. And so it's wonderful that the Lord Jesus gives us access to his bank account. But he doesn't just give us access. He also tells us how to use the card, what kind of purchases you're allowed to make with that bank card. He tells us there's sufficient funds on it, but you're meant to make purchases that are going to increase my reputation. The purchases that you make with this bank card He says to each family member, they must increase my glory, my honour, my reputation. So what does the believer do with the bank card? The new believer gets this bank card, hears that the Lord Jesus says you can use it, and out they go, and they start using it. They pray for a Bible. What happens? Get a Bible. Fantastic. Pray, find a local church, find some brothers and sisters in Christ. What happens? They find a good local church where they're encouraged and fed in the faith. They also pray, Mum, can we, Lord Jesus, can you make sure that Mum is converted? I'm going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with Mum. Can you convert her? Can you regenerate her like you've regenerated me? And what happens? Mum gets converted. What does the believer think? This bank card is fantastic. It really, really works. Now, the sinful self starts a wondering, what else can I purchase with this card? Maybe a Ferrari? Hmm, might give it a go. Lord Jesus, please, I'll put please on the front there, please give me a Ferrari. And what happens? Well, it's like the bank sends an SMS to the Lord Jesus. We know there's sufficient funds on this card, for a Ferrari, but the purchase looks kind of suspicious. You know, like when your bank has an overseas transaction hit your card and they send you this SMS and they say, are you approving this transaction that's taking part in a part of Europe? Are you actually there? Are you approving of this purchase? It looks suspicious. 
So they let Jesus know that you've asked for a Ferrari. And what does he say? No, I'm not okay with that purchase. And the transaction is declined. Now, what does the person do? Well, one thing that they often do is they have a hissy fit. They say, prayer doesn't work. Prayer is a waste of time. I'm not bothering with that bank card anymore. I'd be better off using my time earning money to buy the Ferrari than spending it on my knees asking Jesus for something. But what would be a better reaction when Jesus doesn't do what someone asks? Well, the person considers maybe having a Ferrari doesn't give God as much glory as not having a Ferrari. And actually, having a Ferrari might bring dishonour on God if Jesus had given it to me. And it might have made Jesus look like a fool if he gives all his believers hot-up cars. And I may have even grieved God by asking him for a Ferrari in the first place. And so the conclusion is, I must be more careful with that bank card. I must find out what I should precisely be using that card for. And so the believer, instead of it rejecting prayer as a waste of time, and it doesn't work, prays with guidance from the scriptures as to what Jesus would have the believer ask for in prayer. And as he does so, he actually finds greater joy in praying for the will of God than praying for his own, according to his own will, finds that helping someone grow in Christ by the power of prayer gives greater joy than any Ferrari could ever give. What would you rather, a family member be converted or a very expensive vehicle? What would you rather? The believer understands that it's far greater that someone has eternal life than that the Lord gives you some expensive vehicle. And the believer not only prays with greater guidance from the scriptures after having their prayers rejected for things that are not according to God's will, they also pray with a humble submission to God's glory, not their own glory. They can even say thank you to God for not answering certain prayers because God's glory is the priority. When the answer to prayer is no, they go, it mustn't be in accordance to his will. And therefore, that's okay. I'm okay with it. I may have asked uh, inappropriately, but I'm okay with it because it's not in accordance to his will, and so therefore it's not in accordance to my will either because I want my will to be in line with his will. And so the person keeps on praying, but they're just a bit more careful about what they ask for, and they're also in humble submission to the fact that the Lord may say no, and that's okay. Because whatever I ask for, I wanted to promote God's glory. So how's your prayer life going? Is Jesus not giving you what you ask for him, of him in prayer? Is that because you're not actually a Christian? Every time your prayers aren't answered, it should rattle you a little. Maybe it should rattle you a lot. For you to ask the question, is it because the promise was never made to me? I'm not repentant of my sin. I am not trusting in the Lord Jesus' death for my salvation. If that is you, 
then you should turn to the Lord Jesus now. Repent and trust in Christ and then enjoy having access to that bank account in heaven that has so much merit in it. Hear that promise in Isaiah 58 verse 9 that you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. That is you if you are truly repentant and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if Jesus is not doing what you ask of him and you examine your heart and you find that you are repentant of your sin and you are trusting in the Lord Jesus' death for you and you really do believe that you are a Christian, is the reason the Lord Jesus is not giving you what you ask of him is because your prayer requests aren't for his glory. They aren't for God's glory. If that is you, if that's a possibility that it is you this morning, and I think there's a part of us that should always be considering that this is the end and this is the reason why our prayers aren't answered, is it? I encourage you this morning that you should be looking for greater guidance from the scriptures and making better prayer requests from the Lord Jesus for things that give him glory. Whatever you do, don't stop praying or reduce your prayer time when the Lord Jesus doesn't give you what you ask of him. If anything, increase your prayer time because this is a wonderful promise that the Lord Jesus gives us here. It's a wonderful promise that the newest Christian has access to the same bank account in heaven, has the same access to the Father through the Son as the most mature of believers. Children, if you're here this morning, understand that you have just as much right to go to Jesus and ask him for things as anybody else here in the building this morning. If you trust in Jesus, you can come to God in prayer. And he promises he will do what you ask of him if it's in accordance with his will. It's a wonderful promise that there's so much credit in heaven by the Lord Jesus' death that there is enough funds for all of us to spend more and more on that bank card, that supplementary bank card that he has given every believer. Prayer in our name never works. But prayer in Christ's name always works always works. It's not as though he is not loving enough or not powerful enough to answer our prayer or that he hasn't made any such promise. Yes, he has. It always works. The problem is we don't always pray in his name, particularly in accordance with his will. So don't stop praying. Just look at your prayers and look at whether they're in accordance with his will and work harder at praying according to his will because it always works. And I encourage you, come this afternoon and do some group shopping on those bank cards that the Lord Jesus has given us. It's always more fun to go shopping with others and admire the purchases that we make together. That's what we'll be doing at the prayer meeting this afternoon. We'll be doing some group shopping. Come along and enjoy spending on those cards that the Lord Jesus has given us in verses 13 and 14 of John's Gospel. Let us come to God now. Let us speak to the Lord Jesus in prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise you as a God who is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for making the promise that you will do whatever we ask for in your name. Oh, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would forgive us for asking for things in our own name and for our own glory so often. Thank you for not answering such prayers. 
and help us in the future to ask for what glorifies you. And may we love to pray for such things. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.